morning. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome to the porch. Uh, we're going to jump right in today. We are in week three of this series called Eight Traits. We're looking at uh, eight traits of the disciples that we find in the book of Acts. And so uh, week one, we said that uh, a disciple is communal. Last week, we said a trait of them is the communal. So we said, hey, get in community groups, be on a serve team. We had a really great response to that. Still open and possible for you. Um, last week, we said that a trait of a disciple is that they're biblical. And so we, we looked at uh, several scriptures on that. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that a, a disciple, a trait of a disciple is that they're generous, is that they're generous. And of course, whenever we talk about generous, you know, you can put all the different words you want on there, but everyone knows, I mean, oh, she's going to talk about money. It will come up a little bit, I just got to tell you. Now, but first, before we go into uh, looking at this trait of, of being generous, we started with like a home base, you know, definition of a disciple in week one. Uh, to just so we all have a way of, of referring back to this. And so we gave us definition. We said that a disciple is someone who listens, then they learn, and then they act. And if you look at the disciples, this is exactly what they did. Like while, they were, while Jesus was here and they were following Jesus, they listened to the things that Jesus said, right? They were listening to him. They were leaning in as he taught. They were starting to learn some things, but they didn't quite always get it 100%, right? But then after he ascended into heaven, Jesus did and the Holy Spirit came. More things started to make a little more sense. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And so they were continuing to listen and learn. And then as the book is labeled, as it is titled, they acted on what they were doing, what they were learning and listening to. So a disciple is someone who listens and learns and then they act. Okay, so um, talking about this trait of, of being generous, I wanna, what I want to do today is I want to give you three examples that we find in the book of Acts of, of, a, of disciples being generous. And then with each of those examples, I also want to offer an action step. And I have been informed by uh, those a few people that at, at the 930 service that if I do not offend you today, then you're just not paying attention. So take that for what you will. Um, so yay, here we go. Um, but here, here's the first example I want to offer of, of this. Is a disciples are generous with what they have. Disciples are generous with what they have. We talked in week one. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, where it gives this description of the disciples being together, and it says that they were always together. They, they had possessions, and, and they sold what they had so that they could provide for one another. They looked out for each other. They were, they were very giving, and they shared with each other. Um, and so you see that, that generous mindset. Fast forward to Acts chapter 20, and what we find in there in, in verse uh, 35 is that Paul is having a meeting with some of the church elders from the church in Ephesus. They're not in Ephesus. He's actually called the elders to him, and they're having a meeting. And obviously, something's going on with the church in Ephesus, and they're not being quite as generous as they should. And this is what we read in verse 35 of Acts 20. Paul says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. So he's saying, this is, we need to be generous, and, and one of the ways you're able to be generous is by 
working hard. Then he does the same thing we saw last week with that, that trait of a disciple who's biblical is Paul just straight up quotes Jesus, which you can't deny that. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so Paul is having this conversation with church leaders talking about them being generous. If you're a disciple, you're generous. Jesus said we should be generous. Uh, we're able to be generous if we work hard. I don't know um, kind of what, what your background is or where you come from and different churches and things, but there's definitely some who uh, believers who would say that um, giving a certain percentage, like the tithe, which means 10%, of your income to the church, to the work of God, is really, really legalistic. That's what some would say. Like, it's a very legalistic, it's an Old Testament thing, it's an Old Covenant deal, and um, that, that we're not under that Old Covenant anymore. We're under a New Covenant. So we shouldn't really talk about, like, you should do 10% of this or, or anything like that. There's a, um, a retired pastor, author named Randy Alcorn. He's written a lot of great books on on generosity and the work in the church and just, he's written some good stuff. And I was reading this and he addresses that, that legalistic mindset of going, hey, don't tell me, like, don't try and put a percentage on me kind of deal. This is what he writes because he brings it back to Jesus. That's what I love about it. He says, being under grace does not mean living by lower standards than the law. Christ systematically addressed such issues as murder, adultery, and the taking of oaths, and he made it clear that his standards were much higher than those of the Pharisees. He never lowered the bar, he always raised it. But he also empowers us by his grace to jump higher than the law demands. So, you know, when you think about it, yes, that old covenant, legalistic, 10% kind of law, it's, it's really, it doesn't apply in the new covenant. It, it shouldn't be viewed as that's the maximum and that's the rule because that's what it says in the Old Testament and that's what we need to do. Actually, Randy Alcorn paints a really big picture here of you know, Jesus himself came to fulfill the law and every time he spoke, he actually raised the bar of what we thought was, well, this is where it should be. So the challenge then that we find in being generous is, and here's the action step, okay, is I'm asking everyone, examine your giving to the church. Examine your giving to the church. Look at it, think about it, examine it. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a person walking in faith, if you call the Porch Community Church your home, or if you have another church, like you're just visiting here today, but like you have another church, wherever you are, like wherever your church is, based on what I see here and understanding that a disciple of Jesus is generous, examine your giving to the church. Examine it. Look at it and see. Is it sporadic? Is it non-existent? Is it is it well below? Have, have you kind of been going, well, don't tell me a percentage. Like, like, where are you on that? Examine your giving to the church. Because a disciple is generous. Okay, second, second example I want to offer to you today. We're going to still be in Acts chapter 20. But it's this. Disciples are generous 
with their lives. Generous with their lives. This is what Paul writes in verse 24 of Acts chapter 20. He says, but my life is worth nothing. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And then he describes that work. He says, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So Paul is like, my life, it's worth nothing unless I'm telling other people about the grace of God. My life is worth nothing unless I am pointing people to God. My life is worth nothing unless I am an example of Jesus in my life, in every aspect of my life. The value of my life is nothing if I'm not doing that. That's, that's huge. I want to go ahead and tell you the action step for this point because I want it to settle in on you a little bit. And it's also very similar to the, the example itself. <laughs> but here's the example. I mean, here's the action step. Ask. Ask. And not just yourself. God. Ask. Am I being generous with my life? Am I being generous with my life? Ask that question prayerfully, with focus, with intentionality. Seek God. Am I being generous with my life? Paul says, my life is worth nothing if I'm not pointing people to Jesus. He's asked the question. He has been intentional about understanding what his purpose is, what his responsibility is, what his calling is. When, when you ask, when you prayerfully seek God, he might show you some things that you don't want to see. He's done that with me. He might show you, reveal some ways in which you are making an impact for his kingdom and you hadn't even really, you didn't really recognize it. But prayerfully ask him this. I, I cannot reiterate that point enough for you to prayerfully ask God, am I being generous with my life? Very personal example I'm going to share with you. This is like confession time and you just happen to be in the room, okay? I mean, this, was, this is a huge shift for me. Such a huge shift for me that I spent probably six or seven hours yesterday changing the message. When I asked God, am I being generous with my life? I asked him several times. Am I being generous with my life, God? Am I being generous with my life? And he showed me a few things that were like, you know, this could, you can do this better, you can do this better. And he, he, there were some things that were encouraging to me as well. But I have to tell you, this was the shift for me. When I asked, am I being generous with my life, my mind repeatedly, my, I've, like the Holy Spirit continually drew me back to how I have not been generous Involving COVID. 
and my response to it. I've not been generous. When, when COVID became a reality in like March of 2020, I saw it as an inconvenience. I saw it as an obstacle to get over, around, under, whatever, you know, however, whatever preposition you want to put in there. Um, I saw it as a break from routine, so it was kind of nice. Um, I saw it as a chance to do some home improvements. That, that, was my, that was my view. My view never really shifted from that, even as it meant, went on. Even as it went on and information was out there. And I, didn't, I did not view it as a motivation to be generous towards other people. I did not view it as a, as a motivation to be generous in, in protecting others or to keep, keep others healthy or safe. It's not like I didn't care about other people, right? But I just, I just did not view my life as being generous in this way. My husband gave me a, a Christmas present. It was called COVID. <laughs> he had it in early December and I got it later. And it wasn't fun, but, but we, didn't, you know, we didn't have any major complications. When the opportunity for a vaccine came along in the spring, Drew got it, and not too long after I chose, I made the decision to do that. But even the vaccine, I got to say, was not about me wanting to be generous for other people. I'm confessing this. It was about me not wanting to get it again. And it was about me not wanting my daughter to get it. It was selfish in, in all respects. Um, and so when I read and Paul says that he considers his life worth nothing, I am, I am punched in the gut. I am, I am so floored by, by this realization that I, this is confession time, right? I've been living as if my life is worth everything and everyone else is just responsible for themselves and yet here I am working on a message where I'm saying that a disciple of Jesus is generous and I can't I can't find any of Jesus's words to validate that kind of self-focused behavior I can't but I have a very easy time finding words to prove my selfishness. Maybe you can relate to what I'm saying. I have said the phrase personal choice too many times to count. I'm changing my vocabulary, I'm changing the, how I'm, uh, prayerful choice. I'm changing how I say that. As I'm looking at this and, and I'm asking God, am I being generous with my life? Part of that is prayerful choice. Personal? It starts to, it starts to butt up against generosity. For me. 
I don't know if we have any infectious disease experts in here. Um, I'm not one. But as I, as I see, this, the statistics seem to demonstrate that, that vaccines are making a difference. They seem to show that in schools that masks and quarantining seem to be making a difference. Our hospitals are crowded. Our healthcare workers are stretched beyond exhaustion. Our educators don't know which way is up. Everybody is weary of COVID no matter what we feel about it. And the life you and I are living right now, whether we like it or not, so when we ask this question like, am I being generous with my life? The life you and I are living right now, whether we like it or not, it includes COVID. No matter what you believe about it or think about it or feel about it or whatever, whether you like it or not, it's part of your life. So this action step, based on the understanding that, that a disciple is generous with their life, is just to ask the question, am I being generous with my life? Now, I have to tell you, in my notes right here, okay, it's like, it's like highlighted and bold and underlined, because I really want to make this point to you. I am not assuming what the answer is for you. And so you are not allowed to walk out of here and say, Shannon told me. No, I didn't. I'm just standing here confessing what I am hearing from God's word and how I am applying it to my life. I'm not assuming the answer for you. I don't even know if that's where the Lord's going to take you when you ask, am I being generous with my life? But ask the question. Ask the question. Paul says, my life is worth nothing if I'm not pointing people to Jesus. Are you being generous with your life? Or have you been selfish as I know I have been selfish? I've not been generous with my life. So the action step, ask, and then prayerfully, prayerfully ask, and then act on what God tells you. Act on that. There's the third example of disciples and how they're generous. Disciples are generous with, by their presence for other people. Um, this was a hard to put into one sentence, but it was like trying to, trying to uh, share with you like the disciples are generous by just being present in other people's lives. Actually, what I wanted to say more, but it would be a longer statement, was that disciples are present in the, present in the lives of people that maybe nobody else sees, that no one else know, that notices. You know, during vacation Bible school this summer, um, the, the theme verse was about um, um, that, that Peter and John came and they were outside the temple and there was a, a, a beggar there and and he was, he was lame. He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. And, and there's these words. Now, Luke wrote this, this uh, whole scenario here, right? He, he recorded this for us. And, um, and I want us to look at this verse. It's, it's going to be in Acts chapter 3, a couple of verses there in 3 and 4. 
being present for other people that you don't see. That's what a disciple does. Now, while you're getting there to Acts 3, I want to mention this real quick. If you pay attention at all to what's going on in, in the world, you've most likely seen and read more about Afghanistan this past week or two than you have in a couple of years. Um, and if, if you're like me, sometimes it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, you know? But I can definitely say that um, it hasn't been out of the minds or the hearts of the men and women who, who served in our military over in the Middle East. It, it most definitely hasn't been out of the hearts and the minds of, of the, the loved ones, of um, the family members of, of people who had a service person who paid the ultimate sacrifice and gave their life over there. Um, it's not out of the, the minds of those who are continuing to deal with the seen and the unseen repercussions of what occurred while they spent time over there. Right now, right now, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people because of their faith in Jesus Christ and thousands of people who have worked with, with Americans while we were there for a couple of decades who are now facing certain death by the Taliban. I mean, this is what they're dealing with right now. Women and girls are about to be thrown back by centuries because of the, the crazy rules that the Taliban have for women. You don't, go to, you don't go to school after you're eight years old. You don't go anywhere without a male relative. You don't, I mean, it's just, it's, there, are, there are girls that, 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 there are educated women right now. There are lawyers and judges and doctors and teachers, and they're all facing punishment for this. A disciple of Jesus is someone who is present in the life of others, especially those that maybe we don't even notice or see. And so in Acts chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says when, when uh, we have the man there and he's paralyzed, right? He's been begging, he's been asking. And it says this, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, so he, he, he looked and saw him, he asked them for some money. Now, I Luke records this, like I said, but these, this is so important. It says this, he, made, he wants us to know this. Peter and John looked at him intently. He didn't have to use that word intently. He could have just said they saw him, or it could have just said they answered. No, but Luke wants us to know that Peter and John looked at that man intently. He was not just wallpaper that you just get used to. You know, he wasn't the picture on the wall that you just... You never notice again because he's just there all the time because you know he was. He was there every day. People probably stepped over him. They probably kicked him and didn't mean to or like maybe they did, you know. Like, but he was just there. He was just part of the, the scene. This is Peter and John looked at him intently and then it says this. And then Peter said, look at us. This is what that tells me is that that man was so full of shame and brokenness and he was at such a state in his life that he didn't look at those guys and go, hey, will you give me some money? Hey, can you help me out? That he just had probably his hand up or a bowl or something 
that could hold coins. He wasn't looking at those guys. His eyes were down. He was at the lowest place with his hand up. And Peter said, look at us. This man feeling shame. Peter wanted him to know, I see you. I see you. You are not invisible to me. You're not wallpaper. You're not part of the scene. You're not just something that's in the way. I see you. And then he says the very best words. He says, I don't have any money, which had to be a bummer to the guy. But he says, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he did. He was healed. And he was healed because Peter and John saw him. He was seen. Two examples, two real, like happening now examples of disciples of Jesus, people who who profess to be followers of Jesus, who are being generous with their presence for others. There's a woman named Allison Renault. She is a mother of 10 biological children. God bless her. And in 2017, she was in Washington, D.C., and she met, uh, she was at this, uh, I don't know what, some, something really smart because it was like a robotics thing, right, convention thing. And she met this all-girls robotics team from Afghanistan, you don't, you don't get on an, a, a, a robotics team as a female from Afghanistan if you don't go to school past the age of eight. Okay, but, that, but they're able to do that. They were until recently. So, so there they are, and she met them, and she fell in love with them, and she stayed in touch with them, and she got to know their families and all this stuff. And when the rumblings of August 31st, we're going to be out of here, the Americans are going to be gone, and everything started to shut down, and, and everything started to collapse She was ready to get on a plane and go, but she was advised not to, but instead what she did, she happens to be from the great state of Oklahoma, so from her wonderful place in Oklahoma, she got on the phone, and she called people, and she called people, and she pulled strings, and she asked big, big, big favors, and she called anyone she knew, and she harassed any diplomat she could, and anybody working for anyone, and any senator, anywhere, and she was able to get those 10 girls out, and they're safe now. She was present for these girls who so very easily could have become invisible. Invisible. There's a private group that this past week, not not a government group, non-profit group, private group, that in about three days' time, they set up a fund and they've received donations of close to $30 million. And the whole point of it was to get as many large passenger planes to Kabul as they could to get in there to that airport and get as many people on the plane as they could and get out. And they were able to save 
5,100 people, adults and children, all who were going to face certain death if they remained. They're being generous with their presence for other people. People who would become invisible, who will become invisible. There are people who are still there that are, that are going to be invisible very soon. But see, a, a disciple of Jesus is someone who is generous with their presence for others. So here's the third action step. And it's very plain and simple. I didn't have to shorten this down or anything. The third action step is to help the people of Afghanistan. And you know what I don't want to do? I, I don't want to do the legalistic minimum. Who would want to do that? I want us to go above that. Let's go above the minimum. So, so here's what we're going to do. I talked to our church leadership and everyone's like, yes, we're going to take 25% of the, the offering from today through Saturday. So for the next six days, we're going to take 25% of the offering and we're going to give it to a, a fully vetted Christian organization. It's, they're invested in Afghanistan. Uh, they've been invested there for a couple of decades now. It's called Church World Service. And, and we're going we're gonna to give to that and, and the, it's going to help with relocation costs for the people who have been brought out. Uh, it's going to help with food and clothing and housing and medical care and education. Most have come with nothing but what they have on their back. Their clothes, maybe a small bag. That's it. They are anticipating at least 50,000 Afghans to be arriving in the coming weeks. That's just in the United States. It's not talking about around the globe. And we can't be physically present there. But church world service is, and they will continue to be, and we can help them. So what we'll do is, like I said, 25% of that, we're going to, you know, we, we, have, we have costs here and bills here and salaries here and ministry costs and all these things here. But we're like, you know, we're going to do this because we believe it's the right thing to do because we're disciples of Jesus and we want to be generous. So whether you give online or, or you give when the offering basket goes around or you want to give later online, you can go on to our, to our website and do that. But we're going to take 25% of that and make sure that it goes to them. Like I said, they've been fully vetted. They, they pass all the nonprofit um, tests. It's going to be good. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask one of, I'll ask a, or one of you will let me know if I succeeded in um, making you bristle a little bit this morning. That wasn't my intention. Um, God's word has been um, seriously making me sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And the question of whether I'm being generous with my life. And I want to be because God has been so generous to us through Jesus. Like, what are we even doing here? 
if we don't recognize that God has been generous to us through Jesus Christ. And so I want that in my life, and I most certainly want that in the lives of the people of the porch. Disciples are generous with what they have, so examine your giving. Disciples are generous with their lives, so ask God if you're being generous with yours. Disciples are generous with their presence, being present for other people. So let's help the refugees from Afghanistan. Let's pray. God, you have been generous to us. You have been generous to us through Jesus Christ. There is no, no wondering that or questioning about that. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know that, then the good news is that God has gone to the absolute furthest point he could go to rescue you, and he's done it through Jesus. That this life that we... That we <laughs> question and wonder if it's worth or if it, if, if it has a purpose or if, it, if there's anything about it that's good, you have made possible through Jesus. The burden and the weight of our sin and, and the decisions that we've made that, 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 have, that have grieved you, we can leave at the cross of Jesus Christ. And you have given us life, resurrection life through him. And God, if we have been wasting that life, forgive us. Lord, forgive me for wasting my life. Forgive me for not mirroring a life of generosity in so many aspects, so many ways. You have been generous to us. God, we're going to give you our worship. I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, we are not, that none of us are able to walk away from that question. Am I being generous with the life that God has given me through Jesus Christ? And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.